If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, let me give you the rundown. Basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, and everything you need is all in one place, and here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup's like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify, with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish a video podcast to Spotify. With Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's 1933, and it's the peak of unemployment during the Great Depression. John Dillinger finds his way to Gravel Switch, Kentucky, hides out, goes fishing, robs a local bank, and then leaves town. Welcome to Uncommon History of the South podcast, where we uncover little-known facts of uncommon history. History is full of curious stories you will never discover in any textbook. We uncover fun facts about historical people, interesting places, and everything in between. Hello and welcome to Uncommon History of the South. I'm Brian. And I'm Harold. And today we're going to be talking about the notorious gangster John Dillinger, public enemy number one, and how he ended up in Gravel Switch, Kentucky. Harold, before we discuss John Dillinger and how he found his way to Gravel Switch, Kentucky, it's the Great Depression. Paint me a picture. Tell me what Gravel Switch was like during the Great Depression. Give me a little background on John Dillinger before you tell me how he ended up in Gravel Switch. All righty, Brian. Uh, the Depression was a, probably one of the worst uh, economic events that's ever happened in our country. And I know my father uh, grew up during that time, and uh, he, he talked about how terrible it was. Most people went through it. Uh, it changed them forever. Um, they saw life differently than us, uh, those of us that was fortunate enough not to go through it. But um, Gravel Switch, Kentucky is right in the center of Kentucky. It's in Marion County, eastern Marion County. Uh, north, south, east, and west, uh, it's about dead center the st- in the middle of the state. Um, very rural, beautiful area. You have the North Rolling Fork River that runs through there. Uh, the Knob region is bordering it, and uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, it got its name uh, from the railroad that came through there in the, in the late uh, 1860s, and um there was abundance of gravel in those knobs and in those streams in that area. And um, there was a switching station for the trains. So the name gravel switch, I guess, came from those two things. Uh, Gravel is used by a lot of people in the country for paving roads and doing all kinds of things. And uh, so it was a, had some commercial use and I think that's where it got its name. All right. So, Tell me a little bit about John Dillinger. Why, uh, we, of course, we know he was public enemy number one. Uh, you know, he, he made a living robbing banks. Tell me a little bit about his childhood. Where did he grow up? Well, Dillinger was born in, in uh, June of 1903 in Indianapolis, Indiana. His father was a grocer and uh, owned a grocery store, worked for a grocery store. And uh, when Dillinger was about 17, 16, 17 years old in 1920, his father moved the family to Mooresville, Indiana, and uh, that's where his father took up farming. And I don't think farming set very well with Dillinger. Uh, he didn't seem to, to like it at all. 
Uh, in the years 1920 to 23, uh, Dillinger quit school. Uh, he works at various jobs, works at a machine shop, works as an upholster. Uh, he hangs out a lot in pool rooms and plays baseball. And um, he uh, he's, doesn't seem to have any direction in his life at that point. And I think he did a little time in the Navy, served in the Navy. Right. In uh, June of 19, excuse me, July of 1923, he joined the Navy. And in October of the same year, he goes AWOL for a day, which gets him uh, 10 days in solitary confinement in November. Well, in December, he deserts the Navy and is dishonorably discharged. And in 1924, he marries a lady's name, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correct, but it's Beryl Hovius. And uh, he uh, doesn't seem to have uh, a good... uh, barometer on his future. In 19, uh, September 1924, him and a companion named Ed Singleton uh, attempted to hold up a Mooresville grocer named Frank Morgan. And, uh, of course, they got both got caught. Uh, Singleton must have had a better attorney than uh, Dillinger did because he only got a couple years out of it, but they sentenced Dillinger to 10 to 20 years in the, in the Pendleton uh, County Reformatory. So uh, he, uh, you can see he's made some bad decisions. He's, he's got himself in prison now. He tried to escape uh, at one point from there, and he got a 30-day extension on his sentence. And uh, in the year 1924 was a, was a hard year for him because while he was in prison, his wife decides to divorce him, and he's also, died, uh, or, uh, he's also denied parole so that was a couple of major disappointments for him in that time. Uh, later, he gets moved to the Indiana State Prison in Mooresville, Indiana. And there's where he connects with Gravel Switch, Kentucky. Okay. So who does he meet? Well, he meets a, fellow, a gentleman by the name of Frank Whitehouse. Uh, Frank was a moonshiner. you got to remember Prohibition was going on uh, prior to this time, and uh, Frank was uh, making illegal uh, liquor and transporting it to Indiana and selling it, and he got caught. So that's why he was in prison in Indiana. Uh, Frank gets out before Dillinger does, and uh, evidently they made friends while they were in prison and and encourages Dillinger to come and visit him in Gravel Switch, Kentucky. Well, you know, that had to be a shock to Dillinger, of course, I mean, I'm sure he was glad to get out of prison, but yeah, he'd come visit me in Gravel Switch, Kentucky. You know, he had to scratch his head and think, well, where in the world is Gravel Switch, Kentucky? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a perfect place, I guess. It's been defined as the middle of nowhere. <laughs> uh, in some ways, I guess for some people it is, but uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful area, a very rural area, a lot of farming, uh, probably at that time, 75, 80% of the people farmed for a living. What was the population during that time, roughly, you think? I wouldn't think maybe over two or 300 people. It was just a small crossroads, very rural community. So Dillinger gets out in May of 1933, and he heads to Gravel Switch, Kentucky. Uh, actually, his first stop, uh, White House had arranged for him to have an apartment in downtown Lebanon, Kentucky, which is a few miles from Gravel Switch, Kentucky, and it's the county seat of Marion County. So uh, he had an apartment upstairs in the room. Uh, (laughs) There's a little story about him. He got bored one day, and uh, 
asked to, to borrow a gun, and he was uh, shooting pigeons off the courthouse roof <laughs> <laughs> to occupy his time. So uh, obviously he had a little time on his hands. Funny thing, that still goes on today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, he, uh, he then moves to Gravel Switch. Uh, he gets a job. There's an Arab peddler there uh, that had a store, a building, and an Arab uh, gentleman set up this business as a as a uh, traveling salesman type out, uh, deal. He would go out in the country with wagons. He would peddle uh, things that people needed, you know, pots and pans and tools and uh, and all kinds. So basically, of, he was uh, he was Mr. Wal- Haney from well, Green Acres. Yeah, hey, Mr. Haney and and Walmart on wheels. Oh, okay. So uh, he has this building, by the way, which is still standing there in Gravel Switch. It's a big old two-story uh, store building. And um, Shaheen gave Dillinger a job and a place to stay on Hickory Corner in Gravel Switch. And then that's where he spent his summer of 1933, uh, part of the time. Uh, part of the time, he was robbing banks. <laughs> <laughs> he, used, he used Gravel Switch as a base of operation. And uh, he would go to, uh, he, he robbed four banks in that summer. Uh, he robbed the New Carlisle Bank in Ohio, the Dalesville Bank in Indiana, the Mount Pillar Bank in Indiana, and the Buffington, Ohio Bank. So he robbed all four of these banks while hiding out in Gravel Switch. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this was a plan. I, I don't think this, you know, this this is something that I think they planned and um you know, he, it's about 200 miles from each one of these banks at least. So, you know, that's a 400-mile round trip, and you don't do that without a plan and a, and a purpose in doing it. And um, so he, he had, a, he had a, a system going. I don't know how much he was actually working, but he parked his – there's a story about him parking his, his car on this road in a barn that had – of course, most barns have you can drive th- all the way through them. And he parked his car back there where he could get out a couple different ways uh, to escape if, if the pressure got on him. Okay, so uh, now uh, part of when you told me the story, he apparently liked to fish. Well, yeah, he uh, he was. Uh, I had a, an older gentleman named Prentice Shoemaker told me this story years ago, and Prentice is long since gone. But I'd love to go back and talk to him again. But. Uh, at the time, he told me who's a young man. He was fishing along the North Rolling Fork River. He came around a bend in the river, and he saw this really nice big car sitting there by the stream. And uh, Which would have been uncommon for, during the Great Depression. Yeah, very uncommon for that area. And uh, he said the guy was dressed really nice, said he wasn't wearing bib overalls like <laughs> the rest of us. So he said he, he, he stuck out. You know, he, did, he didn't look like uh, he belonged there. And he said he looked up, and the man motioned towards him to come over to him. And said when he walked over to him, he said he handed him a little stringer, had a few fish on it. And I told him, he said, take these home with you. And said, with the ones you have, it'll make you a good mess. Then he said a couple things, Brian, that I thought was real important to the to the, the story. And that is, he said he reached out, in the, he reached out and he patted me on the head. And uh, that was something that John Dillinger was noted to doing to kids. I guess that was his way of showing affection. And the second thing he said was, go home and tell your mom and dad you fished with John Dillinger today. Well, at that time, uh, John Dillinger wasn't a household name. But uh, I think he knew he was going to be a household name. I think that was his plan to be a household name. I think he wanted to be famous and infamous. And uh, why else would he say that? You know, maybe his parents at that time didn't even know who John Dillinger was. But later they would probably find out. But... 
certainly Prentice Shoemaker remembered who John Dillinger was. Oh, I bet. Remembered that all of his life, you know. That's why he relayed that story to me. Um, in July of 33, he takes Frank Whitehouse and his wife to the Chicago World's Fair, which is a pretty good trip. You know, I mean, that's a big trip for folks back then. It's a big trip, I guess, for folks today, but yeah. uh, they don't have World's Fairs anymore as far as I know. But anyway, he took Frank and his wife, uh, and obviously he was driving a big car. He was able to take trips, so obviously he had money. So that was that money. And it had to be more money than he would make working as a clerk mm, for exactly. a grocer. Or, or yeah, something. exactly, and they gave him $5 to travel expense when he got out of prison. Yeah. So he did, you know, obviously he was knocking some banks off while he was here in Kentucky. Uh, in August of 1933, right August the 8th, uh, Dillinger decided it was time to go. He, he'd had his share of gravel switch. He'd had his share of gravel switch. So he decided to leave town, and on his way out of town, he talked to a couple of young men into robbing the gravel switch bank. Uh, 23-year-old Morris, uh, he had a nickname Tidbits Lanham, and 19-year-old Jimmy Kirkland. And uh, they'd had stolen a blue DeSoto car in Bardstown to actually rob this bank with. And I think it sounds like to me that uh, Dillinger had talked these two young men into this because he sent them in the bank. He stayed outside. And the guys went in the bank. One of them was wearing uh, bib overalls and a straw hat. And the other one was wearing mechanics coveralls and it said a, a, a shabby hat. So you're going to rob a bank. You don't cover your face. So <laughs> you're, 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 yeah, you're so robbing your local bank, local people, <laughs> and, and you don't even cover your face. Okay. 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 Uh, and, and, and where, where was Dillinger during this he, time? He, he was probably outside laughing in the car. Well, he was kind of the lookout. You know, he probably had a gun. Truthfully, they were serious about getting the money. They got twelve hundred and and thirty five dollars and fifty five cents. And he put two, they put the four male bank workers in the vault and escaped out the Danville Pike. Um, the next day, Morris Tidbits Lanham, he was arrested in Lebanon, Kentucky, in a pool room. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Kirkland and Dillinger uh, take off to Chicago. And uh, I think it was about nine days later they caught Jim, Jimmy Kirkland and out of the $460 approximately that he had of his part of that robbery, he only had 35 cents left. So <laughs> and I'm sure he didn't waste one dime of it. <laughs> no, $460 back then, you know, was a pretty good little sum of money, but uh, he had gone through it in nine days. So I think wine, women, and song. He, he <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't time. waste a dime. Uh, Dillinger had uh, evaded police, and, of course, he was captured later. He was sent back to Michigan City, Indiana, and, of course, the rest of the story, we pretty well know, you know, Dillinger's uh, fate and so forth. But um, Jimmy Kirkland was sentenced to prison. Uh, so was Tidbits Lanham. I think they got about eight to ten years for their uh, gravel switch bank robbery. Uh, of course, we know that later in July of 1934, Dillinger was leaving the Biograph Theater in Chicago. And he had with him Anna Sage and uh, a companion, Polly Hamilton. And Anna had kind of uh, given him uh, information to the police that he would be there that night. And uh, so we know the rest of the story. They gunned him down in the street, and uh, that was the end of John Dillinger. 
you know, and that's the thing. I think most people are familiar with the overall theme or, or story of John Dillinger, but very few people, even here in our own community, realize that John Dillinger spent a summer in Gravel Switch, Kentucky. Thank you for being part of the Uncommon History of the South podcast. If you'd like to help support our podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. This will help others find our podcast. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of Uncommon History of the South. All right, here's a little bonus information for you. Uh, Harold, in our podcast with uh, John Dillinger, you'd mentioned Frank Whitehouse. Let's talk a little bit about Frank Whitehouse and the moonshine business during the, this time. Frank was caught in Indiana selling bootleg whiskey, but what we have to need to understand about uh, Marion County is, is Marion County was founded in pioneer times by people from the Cumberland, uh, Maryland region, as I'm sure other places, but the folks from Cumberland, Maryland area uh, were Catholic by faith and distillers by trade, and they came to Marion County because of the three things they needed uh, most to make uh, good whiskey or bourbon, and that is they had good corn, uh, good good oak staves there for the oak barrels, and also the limestone water. Uh, that's those three very important ingredients in making good whiskey or good bourbon. Um, and uh, Frank Whitehouse uh, grew up in a, in eastern Marion County, which is actually not the most uh, prolific uh whiskey-making region, um, but uh, prior to the Depression, uh, Western Marion County produced a quite great deal of, uh, of bourbon. And matter of fact, uh, another notorious outlaw, uh, Al Capone, a lot of, uh, of his whiskey that went into Chicago there uh, was furnished by uh, distillers and uh, moonshiners in Marion County, Kentucky. Now, you told me a story that uh, Al Capone actually came through on a train. Yes, uh huh. Yeah, he when when they sentenced him to prison in Atlanta, they sent him down uh, by rail. And when they came through Marion County, which the Louisville Nashville Railroad runs through there, uh, the branch of it, and the uh, some of the moonshiners knew that he was coming through, and they lined the railroad tracks and and waved at him as he went by on his way to prison. All right. Well, this was a bonus episode of Uncommon History. History is full of curious stories you'll never discover in any textbook, and this is why we're doing the podcast. Thank you for being part of the Uncommon History of the South podcast. If you'd like to help support our podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. This will help others find our podcast. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of Uncommon History of the South.